0: Welcome to BlitzCast, an NFL Draft Podcast, brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt.
1: Welcome to another episode of BlitzCast. Breaking news right at the top of the show. We'd like to start with that. The Houston Texans fired their head coach, their GM, their play caller, After an 0-4 start for the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien gets the axe. He was the most successful head coach in team's history. He took them to the playoffs four of the last five years. He won four divisional titles in the AFC South. What do you think of this move? Do you support this? Are you behind this move? Should they have made this move after the first four games? Well, I I
2: think I think this is really stemming from the disappointment of you know trading away their top receiver DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, to be honest with you, I I don't I don't think the Texans really deserve this. I mean, they went zero and four, but just for them to go zero and four and to just to just throw them out. I mean, the guys won four division titles. I don't. I think I think this is a little extreme by the Texans front office.
1: Well, I have no problems with Bill O'Brien as the head coach. I think he's an above-average head coach. We mentioned that he has led this team to, to numerous playoff appearances. He has a winning record, and he was able to develop Deshaun Watson. I mean, that, But Bill O'Brien, the GM, let down Bill O'Brien, the head coach. And I always say this. Unless you're Bill Belichick, you can't do everything. You can't be a head coach, a GM, and a play caller. It's just too much on your plate. And I just feel like Bill O'Brien just tried to repeat. He tried to be the new Bill Belichick, and it just didn't work. Well, I
2: don't like this idea of using the GM. You know, using the head coach as the GM. I, th- I think the head coach should have a lot of input in who who comes with the team. I mean, obviously, if you're going to make a big move. I think I think you, you you divide the labor up and you you have one guy who's in charge of personnel and you have one guy who's you know head of X's and O's and running the team and I mean I just think I just think running the team is a big enough job I mean to, to, to make
1: someone the GM too I think th- I think it's just too much work. Romeo Crennel, uh, who was the head coach with the Kansas City Chiefs, takes over as the interim head coach of the Houston Texans. We'll see if he can turn it around. I mean he's a very likable guy. Maybe if the Texans win a few more games, maybe he gets that that starting gig. You you never know. But who is your ideal candidate for the Houston Texans? Do you have a name? And is it an attractive job? Well, I, and... I would I would love to see you
2: know Eric Bieniemy be the guy for the Houston Texans. I think it's time Eric Bieniemy get a job. He's done a great job with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I think he could do great things with Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, give him an opportunity to draft some guys on defense, and um, you know, rebuild that defense again, and maybe let him, you know, work on work on, you know, sort of building their roster up. I think you could really turn this team around. So, I, I think enemy is the guy. I think this is a more attractive job than you do. I mean, we've we've kind of sparred about it off. Off the air. I mean, I I think you know you go, you go to Houston and there's no income tax, so I think you know you're making more money when you go to when you go play for the Texans. And then I think I think there's just the attractiveness of you've got Deshaun Watson to work with. I I think almost like drafting the right quarterback is like half the battle. And I mean the the Texans do have some pieces in place they can hold on to. I think it's really just building around a guy like Deshaun Watson, and really just building up that roster. You know, building up that offensive line a little bit more. I know they've made some poor choices. I mean, some guys. You know, we thought we're going to be good players, ended up not being great players. I mean, particularly in the name that comes to mind is Howard, the right tackle. I mean, he he hasn't been what I thought he would be. So there's a
1: lot. There's some room to grow, but I think I think this team has a chance to turn it around. According to Bovada Sportsbook. The Houston Texans are favored by six points at home versus the Jaguars. So there's that chance to, to get that first win, and it would be great for Romeo Cornell. Like, Bill O'Brien is going to be fine. Bill O'Brien is going to bounce back, and I'm sure he's he going to be in line for a few head coaching jobs, even in this offseason. He's been with the Patriots before. He was a head coach with Penn State then obviously with the Houston Texans, he had success. But it's another sad tale, and we've seen this before with Mike Shanahan and Mike Holmgren, the great head coaches. When you take on too much responsibility, it just comes back to bite you in the end. Unless you're Bill Belichick, who can pretty much do anything he wants, just stay away from that. Stick to coaching your team, and don't try to to take on too much responsibility. Six unbeaten teams in the NFL uh, heading into Week Five of NFL action, and one of the first teams we've got to talk about are the Chiefs. They've got a 13-game winning streak from last year, and Patrick Mahomes and uh, and that company. They just they look like the best team in the NFL. You and I talked about it last week, but they just. They overcome the New England Patriots on Monday night. It was a tough game. Bill Belichick certainly had a great game plan to to slow down Patrick Mahomes and company. And I think if they had Cam Newton, the Patriots might have won instead of committing a couple of those turnovers by Brian Hoyer. But the Chiefs look like the best team in the NFL. Agreed,
2: agreed. I mean, the Chiefs do look like the best team in the NFL. And I mean, I I I just I I I think I'm still kind of on the Patriot reign side of things I mean I, I don't I think Brady is a better executor of Belichick's plan than Cam Newton but I, I still don't want to count out Bill Belichick I think he can do some things with Cam
1: Newton another unbeaten team or the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson is playing like an MVP favorite and another team that's 4-0 and and last time the Seahawks were 4-0 and it was in 2013 when they won the Super Bowl you you called the Seahawks one of the best teams in the NFL and in our season preview, and I know they have to get better on defense, but that offense is, is clicking on all sides. Yeah, I mean,
2: Russell Wilson's having a great year. You're a fantasy quarterback, and... I think they have a lot of like it's not so much that they they're really led by stars, but they just don't have a lot of weaknesses on this team. You know, I think I think maybe like you look at their defense, they're they're pretty talented all around. I mean, there's there's kind of there's the the weakness of Trey Flowers at corner, but I mean for for the most part, I mean this team has a lot of just solid players at every position and I think I think that's that's the kind of roster that helps you win the Super Bowl so they got the roster they got Russell Wilson and they've got they've got a head coach who's who's been around the league so I mean there's there's a lot of reasons to think that things are going to go well for those Seattle Seahawks
1: that defense has to get better they just haven't played well so far they've outscored folks and they have to get that pass rush going they have to get to the quarterback Unless they do that, I just, you know, Russell Wilson can win you a game, but he's not going to carry you into the Super Bowl. You you need more than Russell Wilson. They always say defense wins championships, and Pete Carroll has got to figure it out. The Green Bay Packers, uh, they get another win. It was against the Atlanta Falcons. They lead the NFL in points per game. They've scored 38 points in those four games. And the one surprising fact is just no turnovers for the Packers so far this season. That's an astounding stat because in the NFL, I mean, you are going to turn the ball over. You're not perfect, but so far the Green Bay Packers have been flawless and and Aaron Rodgers is just playing on... He's playing like the young Aaron Rodgers.
2: Yeah, Aaron Aaron Rodgers is having a great year. I mean, I, I didn't feel like until until really this fourth game that people were really talking about what kind of year he's having. But, I mean, you know, this is just a four-game slice. I mean, this is just, you know, the first four games. I'm just examining, I'm sampling the first four games. I'm going to say in the first four games of the season,
1: Aaron Rodgers has been better than Patrick Mahomes. All right, so he is your—he's right behind Russell Wilson in that MVP I mean, race? To be honest you. with you, I
2: think this year so far, I, I'd say Aaron Rodgers is the MVP, and I'd say Russell Wilson is the Offensive Player of the Year.
1: If you look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers right now, he's completing 70% of his passes, over 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. You know, I guess if you've got an aging quarterback... You've got to follow the formula that the Packers have chosen. Draft Jordan Love at the end of the first round, lit a fire under Aaron Rodgers and have them playing like this. I mean, he is just he's rediscovered himself. I was one of the people that said he was done. Boy was I wrong. I said that's it. I'm I'm not seeing the same Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years. The Green Bay Packers had a great year. But what I saw on Monday night without Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers is just making great throws, and even Alan Lazard was out, and he's just making these guys, these undrafted free agents, look really, really good, and he's looking like the Aaron Rodgers at, at 25. I mean, I have to say, the Aaron Rodgers, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you kind
2: of pointed to it, I mean... Just the 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 Packers really don't have much talent at receiver. I mean, let's let's be bold about it. You know, they don't have. I mean, they have Devonte Adams, but I mean, they they you know you, you're rolling out there with Valdez, Scantling, and Alan Lazard as your as your sort of you know starting receivers in a nickel package. For him to be having the year that he's having to throw no interceptions, Aaron Rodgers had. I think he is pro I mean he's definitely a hall of famer. I mean he 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 could be he's probably the second best quarterback of this generation.
1: Aaron Rodgers is a first ballot hall of famer and it seems like the Packers Super Bowl champion I mean, they drafted a quarterback they drafted a quarterback at the end of the first round just to to lit a fire under the the aging starter who if he plays like this I mean he's going to play up to until he's 45 like Tom Brady. Let's talk about another Favorite quarterback of ours. Now, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills here. The Buffalo Bills are 4-0. And, you know, during the first two years of Josh Allen's reign as the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, it was all about the defense. The Buffalo Bills carried that team with because they played solid defense. Well, you know what? I have to admit I was wrong about Josh Allen because the improvement that he has made every year, and especially between year two and what I see right now in year three, the Buffalo Bills were right by trading up to get him. Because he is, in my opinion, he has improved more than any other player from last year. He's completing nearly 71% of his passes, over 1,300 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, and one interception. And he also gives you that dual threat ability. Josh Allen is playing lights out. He also deserves to be in the MVP consideration. He deserves to be mentioned there. I have to admit that. Again, I was wrong about Josh Allen. To be, on-
2: to be honest with you, I mean, I, I if if you if you kind of talk about the Bills' picks over the last few years, I mean, I would have told you Ed Oliver would be dominating the league and Josh Allen would be. You know, on his way out. I, I mean, I was in the same boat as you. But you know what? There is someone who has appeared on the show who did call the year that Josh Allen is having, and that's Andy Buckler. I mean, from the Keep It a Buck podcast, and he was our. You know, he he did a kind of our fantasy section, and he said pick this guy, and he's probably the best fantasy quarterback right now. Just just fantasy. I mean, that's a lot of statistics, but I mean, right now, I mean, he he could be a
1: top five quarterback.
2: I mean, just with with the
1: year he's having, he is a top five quarterback. Just. Uh, turn on the, the Buffalo Bills game. Josh Allen is throwing the deep ball accurately. He's throwing with, with more anticipation. And adding Stefan Diggs certainly has helped him. It has been a huge addition for the Bills. And, and Josh Allen finally got a, a number one I mean, target. Do, does this
2: change your mind about arm talent? I mean, you know, does as a guy who you know who has a who has a really strong arm I mean you know when you when you do future future evaluations of quarterback prospects I mean are you are you going to rate you know sort of arm strength higher now what with what you've seen with Josh Allen
1: no uh, to me it's still about accuracy and it is all about ball placement I just think Josh Allen he was still a raw prospect coming out of college you know he only started for what like Two and a half years at Wyoming. I just think that they got it right. They got it right. The Buffalo Bills saw the upside, and they got it right. And uh, I give credit to their offensive coordinator, their quarterbacks coach. He has improved every year. But the step that he took from last year to this year has been incredible. It really has. I I don't think I've ever seen that before. Usually with quarterbacks, you either see it right away. Well, you see it after like a year or two. Josh Allen was still struggling last year. Regardless of what Bill's fans are saying out there, look at his numbers. Look at what he was doing. He was still a liability. But this year, I mean, the man is, is in total controlled offense. But no, I do not put arm strength now in my, my top three when evaluate and scout quarterbacks pocket awareness accuracy ball placement making good decisions arm strength is is way down the line for me maybe you're changing your opinion but i'm not
2: i i mean i would definitely i would definitely you know i i'm probably going to look at a guy like drew lock a little differently you know a guy like josh allen a little differently i mean when a guy has the arm strength i mean it, it kind of makes me think he can control he can control the ball better in his ball placement and you know, I, th- I think that's been a narrative. I mean, I just still kind of in, you know, sort of like the first five years of, you know, sort of watching a lot of the draft and, you know, doing film evaluations. And to be honest with you, I mean, if there's any pattern to what I've been wrong about, it's these high upside guys. And I just I've, I've relied so much on what I see on tape. And to be honest with you, I mean, I have to I have to really consider more what is potential, you know, what what the upside of these guys are.
1: Like I said, I, I can admit when I'm wrong. And I was wrong about Josh Allen because I thought he was going to be out of the league after five seasons. Well, that certainly isn't the case. And I'm happy for Bills fans because their future, it really does look bright. Uh, They had the defense. They still have the defense. And now they've got the offense to go with it. And look at the teams that we've listed so far. The Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Bills. All of these teams are 4-0, and and they all have great quarterback play at the forefront. And that, that seems to be the key. You need to have the quarterback if you want to have success in the league. There are a couple of teams that are 3-0, and that is because both of these teams, the Titans and the Steelers, were supposed to play this past weekend, but the game was called off because the Titans had a few uh, players test positive. The Titans are 3-0. and It's the first time since 2008. This team is on the upswing. They they went to the playoffs last year and, and made some noise. And Mike Vrabel has some things cooking there in Tennessee. And you were one of the people that was really high on Tennessee because you picked them to, to win the division. Yeah, I
2: do, I do like Tennessee's division. I mean, I think, I think some things have gone a little differently. I will say, I mean, I think there's one thing that's really upgraded with the Tennessee Titans from sort of 2019 to 2020. And the one thing is, is that their edge their edge rushers are just much better. I mean, you you know, you add Clowney to the mix, I mean that's that's a big boost. And we this kid Harold Landry, who, you know, was a high high pedigree guy, you know, I think he was like a second round pick a few years ago. He's starting to come into his own this year, and I think he's really helping this team. So I mean they're they're getting some they're getting some help from some places that I uh,
1: didn't expect them to. I saved the the best for last, Ed. The Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously with Ben Roethlisberger back, they're also three and zero. They lead the NFL in a rush defense, they're just really good at at stopping the run once again. Take credit for this, Ed. I don't want you to be critical of your team after those three games. I mean they're up there. And uh, they're one of the best teams in the AFC. So let's talk about the Steelers. Well, I,
2: I think I think they're 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 playing good ball, but I don't think they've played anybody. I mean, that's that's really just the way I see it, Alex. I mean, they you know they played the Giants. You know they they haven't they haven't really had a particularly hard game so far. Um, and so yeah, they're three and zero. I mean, they played Houston. They beat Houston, uh, but Houston isn't the team that we thought I I thought they would be. So. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, I think there if there's a few things that are going right for this team, having Ben Roethlisberger, just having his veteran leadership, you know, under center controlling the offense, I think that's helping, and that's helping guys like Juju Smith Schuster. It's helping Chase Claypool, you know, in his development as a rookie. It's helping in some areas, but I mean, I I I, I would say, you know, the defense. I mean, I, I I'm still I'm still kind of disappointed in some areas. I'm not particularly happy with the year I'm seeing out of Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean Minka Fitzpatrick last year was an absolutely dominant free safety. I don't I mean I don't I don't see him making the plays he was making last year. I do like where they are up front. I mean Cam Hayward, TJ Watt having great years, but I don't think Devin Bush is having a particularly good year. I don't think Vince Williams is having a particularly good year. I mean, those guys were supposed to be big, big-time big players this year. I mean, especially Devin Bush. I mean, Devin Bush, you know, they were—I mean, this is a top-ten pick. This is a guy they gave up three picks for. And to be honest with you, he's not
1: playing worth three picks right now. Bovada has the Steelers as a seven-point favorite at home versus the Eagles— How do you see this game? Obviously, the the Eagles are coming off a win. The Steelers had an extra week to prepare for Philadelphia. How do you see this game? I think they're
2: giving the Steelers too much grace here. I mean, they're just... You know, to, to say that they're going to beat the Eagles by a touchdown. I mean, just, re- just remember the historical record. I mean, the Eagles just have the Steelers number. I mean, just, you know, we've seen this battle so many times, and this is a memorable matchup because they're the two teams from Pennsylvania. And l- look at it. The years past. I mean, if you look at the historical record, the Eagles have had the Steelers number.
1: Well, let's talk about this NFC East, and let's start with the Eagles just in general. They got their first win of the season. They're 1-2-1. and one. They had that tie against the Bengals. They, they couldn't score in overtime. After beating my Niners, they're first in this division. It's incredible. So the Eagles pick up their first win in Week 4, and they lead the NFC East division. This is a really bad division. I don't remember a division this bad in a while. I don't think anybody wants to take it. I don't think anybody wants to win it. None of these teams want to go to the playoffs because they they certainly don't have the confidence there. But the Eagles have been hit by a lot of injuries. It's been a huge problem for them, again, especially on the offensive line and at receiver are you surprised that the Eagles are in first place in this? In this well, bad they're in division? first
2: place after winning one game. I mean, they were they were at the bottom of the division and then they won one game, one division game, and now they're now they're in first place. So, I mean, they're one and two. I mean, I think they're one and two and one. I mean, this is this is not a good division. The Cowboys have been a total disappointment. Total disappointment. I mean, some people saw this coming, but I didn't see this coming. I thought the Cowboys would be a good team. Uh, the Redskins, I mean, the Redskins, well, they won their first game. But, I mean, they've been, I mean, they were in first place for for after week one. I mean, but they're, I mean, they're one of the worst team. You know, they're, they're a top 10 worst team in the league. You know, they're a bottom 10 team in the league. And then you got the New York Giants, who really haven't shown anything this year. I will say this about the New York
1: Giants. Daniel Jones is not the problem in New York. Well, he certainly isn't the problem. But how do you explain the fact that they can't score? Yeah, I mean, they're averaging less than 12 points per game. Can you imagine? In today's NFL, their red zone production has been terrible. You know what the Giants, the mistake that they made? They hired offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. He's turned out to be a, a major miss by the New York Giants. So I realize that Saquon Barkley is out, and that's their big play threat. But it's not like he was lighting up the league before he he went down with injury in the first couple of games. So you could say all you want, but Daniel Jones has to be a little bit of the problem. And the Giants right now are on pace to have the the number one overall pick in the in the 2021 NFL draft. So if it stays like this, do you take Trevor Lawrence and just trade away Daniel Jones?
2: No, I, I don't. I, I just, I mean, it's a hard question because I just, I just don't think the Giants will get the number one pick. I just. I just don't think they're the worst team in the league. But to be honest with you, I mean, I think you have something that works in Daniel Jones. He's still a young quarterback. He can still develop. I mean, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is probably the best quarterback prospect the last ten years. But I mean, you still—he's still an unknown. He still hasn't played an NFL down. So I'm not—I'm not ready to to throw Daniel Jones out. I don't I think what they need to do is they need to build up their roster. And you know what? You know Odell Beckham Jr. you traded the guy because of who he was in the locker room. He, you know, he's a, he's a very, you know, he's he's kind of that wide receiver diva all about himself kind of guy and that's why that's why he's a Cleveland Brown right now. But to be honest, with you, they need that Odell Beckham Jr. type of type of receiver. You know, they need that in their receiver room. I mean, Sterling Shepard is not going to get it done for you.
1: I agree with you. I mean, that offensive line is still average at best, and they don't have a playmaker that can stretch the football field. I mean, Darius Slayton has shown some flashes the second he's, year. He's like a, he's like a good out number of Auburn. receiver, but like, 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 that's the context I want to put it in. Sterling Shepard is a good yeah, is a good number three slot guy, and Darius Slayton could be that complimentary guy. Golden Tate is is over the hill already. So who do the Giants have? They have Evan Ingram. When he's been healthy, he has contributed. But that, that's a major if. So you do need to get some weapons for Daniel Jones. But the only reason that I'm throwing it out there, Ed, if the Giants finish with the worst record in football or even get a top three pick... Dave Gettleman isn't going to survive Dave Gettleman is going to be out the door So if the Giants are going to be In the process of hiring a new general manager Then their head coach isn't safe either I mean, Joe Judge was a Dave Gettleman type of guy If Gettleman is out the new gm comes in and starts evaluating a team that goes 3 and 13 then you would just say hey i'm i'm going to get rid of a head coach i'm going to get rid of the quarterback if i can get a better one in the draft and that's the reason why i bring it up because there are a lot of dominoes that are going to fall in new york i'm just
2: I, i'm just not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater in new york i just I think you have a good young quarterback. I think I think you add some pieces over, you know, future drafts. I mean, you know, if Joe Judge can find that receiver, I mean, you know, he if he can find that Julian Edelman type of receiver or just that number one, maybe a guy who could play that X position. They got some young pieces on the offensive line. I I don't think this is a, a wreck situation in New York right now. In New York, when I mean the Giants side of things, not the Jets side of
1: things. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. There's one smart person in this podcast here <laughs> uh, during the season preview that <clears throat> proclaimed that the Dallas Cowboys were going to win the Super Bowl, realizing that their defense wasn't that good, especially that secondary. But I thought that that the linebackers, the pass rush, they were able to, they were going to get the job done in that Mike Nolan scheme. Well, you know what? The Dallas Cowboys have given up 146 points over a four-game stretch, which is the most in franchise history. They haven't tackled well. The secondary can't stop anybody. They can't get to the quarterback. On that reverse where Odell Beckham scored at the end of the game, I mean, I guess the Cowboys players weren't coached to, to push the guy out of bounds. I mean almost like they were going out of balance and they were like surrendering it out there. They they didn't use the the sideline to help them in that regard. They've also turned the ball over too much to to start the game in the first quarter. Even though their offense is great when trailing uh, I do think that Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott they need to help their defense out. They can't turn the ball over in the beginning of the game. So the Cowboys look like a mess right now, especially on yeah, defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like really to see the Cowboys improve their secondary. I mean, I think I think that's that's an area where they really need to upgrade. I mean. Uh, you know, the, their pass rush is not totally awful. I mean they could they could definitely upgrade in that area. I mean linebacker, you know, they still have Leighton Vanderesh, but their secondary I mean their secondary's been an issue for a while. I mean this isn't you know, Deion Sanders isn't walking out on that field these days.
1: The secondary has been a problem and they didn't re-sign Byron Jones and they do have some injuries at linebacker. Sean Lee is down, Leighton Van Der Esch is down. And Jalen Smith isn't playing well. I mean, he he just isn't in his new role. And the Dallas Cowboys, there have been whispers that they're just they think that their defensive scheme is, is way too complex. And because they didn't have that whole offseason that they just haven't picked it up at all. But the one thing that you just can't excuse, it's one thing you're giving up big plays to OBJ, that he scored three touchdowns on Sunday. That's one thing. I mean, you do have a bad secondary, but you got to tackle better. you got to control the line of scrimmage. If you look at the, at the game against the Cleveland Browns, I mean, the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns was just blowing up that Cowboys defensive line. They were up there like five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Nobody was touching Nick Chubb when, when he got to the second level, when he got 10 yards past the, the line of scrimmage. And it's just it's incredible. The least that you can do is just show effort tackle better and that's what the Cowboys have lacked and and some people have already basically called for Mike McCarthy to get fired but I think that Mike Nolan needs to go I just I realize that it's four games into the season but if it's not working it's not working you just you get rid of the guy you make a change you do something if you have aspiration it seems like the Jones family I heard them on radio and they're I don't know what they're smoking (laughs) out there, but it seems like we're not watching the same uh, games. I just just
2: can't imagine Jerry
1: Jones smoking anything, that's all. (laughs) No, but the Cowboys owners, I mean, Jerry Jones giving an interview on radio, Stephen Jones, and Stephen Jones basically said that they aren't that far behind. Like, they're just a, a little bit behind the curve, that they're almost there, and I just I don't see it. Maybe we're watching different games, but... They were lucky enough to come back against the Atlanta Falcons. They made a run against the Cleveland Browns, but you're not going to be able to come back two times in the same season when you fall behind the way they did in the first half. You gotta play better, man. You gotta be more disciplined and and that's one thing. I'm I'm calling for Mike Nolan's job. I mean, I was I was a proponent of his. I thought that he was gonna bring his scheme and And the Cowboys were going to be able to at least apply pressure and get to the quarterback. Well, again, I was wrong. I'm admitting my wrongs on this show. And by the way, the Cowboys are 10-point favorites versus the Giants on Sunday, according to Bovada.
2: you throw you throw Mike Nolan out I mean here's the thing they've used a lot of their draft capital especially in the early rounds on the offensive side of the ball they've built up their offensive line they got Zeke they got Dak I mean I mean Dak was a fourth round pick but you know they've they've invested a lot of early picks in the offensive side of the ball and so to be honest with you you can't blame the defensive coordinator when you're not getting him the talent on his side of the ball
1: all right fair enough let's move on to the final team in this division, and that's the Washington football team. Uh, they have won one game, and then after that, we've basically seen a team that it just hasn't been very good. And I think that the first game was just kind of an aberration out there. And it seems like the Washington, Washington is giving up on their franchise quarterback. Dwayne Haskins has struggled with his accuracy, especially on intermediate passes and deep balls in 11 games he has a record of two and nine Rivera has basically hinted already suggested that Haskins needs to play better well the announcement has been made Kyle Allen is going to be the starter against the Rams on Sunday I mean it's it's clear now they they went after Dwayne Haskins and it
2: looked like a smart move because they waited for him but you can't I mean the lesson from this is you can't just draft a quarterback just to draft a quarterback in a bad class you know uh, you know the, the the same thing with Geno Smith back a few years ago. I mean, you just you know Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in that class, but at the same time, I mean, it ended up being Daniel Jones for one. And the other thing is uh, Haskins was was it was a reach. I mean, it was just it was just the team really wanted a quarterback, and they weren't they didn't have they didn't have a good draft class. And I I would say you know what, go next time, go after a position player and wait for wait for a quarterback in another year.
1: Well, if we're talking about that NFL draft, Kyler Murray went number one overall to the Arizona Cardinals. Daniel Jones was the pick that everyone criticized at number six with the New York Giants. And then the Washington made the move at 15 by pulling the trigger on, on Dwayne Haskins. And the previous regime didn't like Dwayne Haskins, and it seems like the new regime Isn't too fond of Dwayne Haskins as well. So I'm asking the question again. Washington is going to have a top five pick in next year's draft. Are they in the QB market in the 2021? Yeah, and there's NFL some good draft? quarterbacks coming out. I mean, you don't have to get Trevor Lawrence to get a quarterback. I mean, there's
2: there's Justin Fields, and now and now there's Trey Lance. I mean, who we're going to talk about later. I mean, Trey Lance. I mean, he may, he may be the second best quarterback in this draft class. The, I mean, those guys can also run the ball. They can be a little bit more dynamic. You can get creative with them. I mean, maybe you know Ron Rivera. I mean, he had Cam Newton. I mean, someone like someone like. Uh, like Justin Fields, I think he's he's creative enough and he's used to, you know, with Cam Newton to use that sort of running quarterback. So I, I think I think Justin Fields or Trey Trey Lance could be options for them.
1: Ron Rivera isn't married to Dwayne Haskins, and I think it's pretty obvious nowadays that he is already moving on from him. It, and the one the one sad part about it is that Kyle Allen was moved up as the starter. Alex Smith is now the backup. Dwayne Haskins has been demoted as a number three quarterback. I'm not sure he gets another chance the the rest of the season to kind of prove himself. And it's a shame. And it just it shows the type of NFL world that we live in, that teams move on from young quarterbacks fairly quickly. We saw it with Josh Rosen. When Kyler Murray was drafted, you know, I obviously mentioned that it's a possibility with the New York Giants um, and Daniel Jones, and it looks like it's, it's a reality with the Washington football team and, and Dwayne Haskins. When you get a new head coach, when you get a new GM, hey, they're going to move on from you. And that, that seems to be the, the narrative here. Dwayne Haskins is going to be on the trading block uh, before the NFL draft. College football upsets once again. Uh, it just it continues every week. Top teams seem to go down, and this time, number nine Texas went down at home to the the TCU Longhorns, thirty-three to thirty-one. Are you surprised? Especially, I mean, the Longhorns were almost lost to Texas Tech the week before, and they made that comeback. Are you surprised that? They came out and just lost that game to TCU. Not,
2: not really. I mean, Sam Ellinger didn't have a very good game. He was only 17 for 26 passing. I mean, the Texans' Longhorns are having problems, and you can see the frustration on Ellinger's face.
1: And, you know, the play of the game was made by linebacker Garrett Wallow, and we're probably going to see him at the senior bowl. He he made the play of the game. He stopped running back Keontae Ingram at the one-yard line and and forced a fumble. That's just... One of those plays that you go, wow, you know, obviously the Longhorns just coughed it up. It looked like they were going to score a touchdown, and that was, that was the ball game there. Well, it didn't stop there in the Big 12. It seems like the Big 12 is just upsets galore every week. The Sooners, for the second straight week in a row, they lost to Kansas State two weeks ago. Well, they lost to Iowa State Cyclones on, on Saturday. Man, the the Sooners just, once again, they had a lead at the half. What happened there, Ed?
2: Well, I mean, things are looking pretty good right now for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I mean, things are not looking good at the top of the Big 12. Um, I think Oklahoma's defense is having a lot of problems this year. I mean, they just, you know, they've, they've had good enough defenses to get the job done. But this year, I mean, they're having a lot of problems on the defensive side of the ball. You know, special teams hurt them again. Uh, Kenny Nwongu, uh had a, you know, kick return for a touchdown for Iowa State. Um, you know, Brees Hall was running the ball really well against Oklahoma's defense. So you know, it's it's little things. It's like running the ball, special teams, defense. It's just Oklahoma has the offensive pieces, and that's why they're they're going to be the Oklahoma Sooners. But you know, you have to do the little things to to you know to get to the college football playoff, and they've done that in the years past.
1: Later on in the show, we're going to have a guest who is going to tell us about Sooner's struggles so far. He, he's got the inside knowledge, and um, you'll get a chance to, to listen to that in about 10, 15 minutes. How about UCF? That was a shocker. The second longest home winning streak came to an end for UCF when they were, they were upset by Tulsa. Another thing, it just seems to be the theme... UCF had a lead, twenty-three to five, and then all of a sudden, Tulsa's quarterback Zach Smith just—he got going after that first quarter and played well the rest of the way, and they—they they pulled out that. Yeah, win. I
2: mean, you, you mentioned it—you know, eighteen points in the first half they were up, and UCF had eighteen penalties. Um, you know, they—they just—they really—they really, you know, Tulsa has their number. I mean, Tulsa was the team that beat UCF you know, the last time they played each other. So, you know, UCF has trouble with Tulsa, but they played a sloppy game. I mean, 18 penalties, turning the ball over three times. That the, Those are real issues. I mean, that's, that's not how you get to the college football playoff. And teams like UCF, you know, can't make mistakes. I mean, especially, you know, them not being a, you know, they're a non-Power 5 conference school. They can't make mistakes, and they made some mistakes against Tulsa.
1: UCF just let Tulsa hang around in the first half, and they... They had an INT, they had a fumble, which Ed talked about. They had a missed field goal. And the one thing that I saw is they struggled to score touchdowns in the red zone. They settled for field goals, and I think that was the undoing for for UCF. You You can't let a team hang around for that long. And Zach Smith just came alive. He was the quarterback for Tulsa, and he made some big plays downfield, especially in the second half. Um, coming out of the second half and they they hit that bomb that deep ball that kind of brought them back and I didn't expect that you know if UCF was going to lose they were going to lose to Memphis or um, you know SMU possibly or maybe Cincinnati but I certainly didn't expect that from from Tulsa you know the upsets continued we won't talk about them but Mississippi State was upset by Arkansas and Mississippi State won the week before that against LSU, and K.J. Costello struggled in that game. Pitt lost to NC State in the final seconds, and Memphis was also upset by SMU, uh, SMU behind Shane Bouchel and Reggie Robertson. The big game this weekend, and there are a few big games, but we'll talk about one big game. It's number one Clemson. Against the Miami Hurricanes,
2: I, I think I think this is Clemson's game. I mean, you know, Miami's having a better year this year, and I, I think they're playing good ball. But I mean, Clemson's just Clemson's been there. I mean, they've had these big games, and you know, Clemson's done well. They're at home, but I mean, are we going to see a better Miami team? Sure. I mean, you know, the the Clemson Tigers are are, are supposed to be favored by fourteen points, two touchdowns. I, I give I give Miami a little bit more. A little bit more. I mean, I, you know, if, if we're if we're picking the spread, I'm going to take the Miami Hurricanes because you know what? There are some things that are better for the Miami Hurricanes. dr King is giving them much better quarterback play this year. We've talked about that. I mean, this defense, this defense is more dynamic. I mean, they're just they're not a sit and wait defense. They're a they're you know they're they're an offensive defensive team. They're a team that makes plays. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a good Hurricanes team. Do I? I, I think the the Clemson Tigers. End up the, the winners at the end of the day, yes, but I don't think they
1: cover the spread. The Hurricanes have to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence. They have to make him uneasy in the pocket. That seems to be the formula to, to get him rattled a little bit. It's hard to get him rattled, but I think that's one thing that they have to do. They have to get home with Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips. Those are the guys that have to be in his face over and over again and that should be the formula for the miami hurricanes and like ed mentioned according to bovada uh, the clemson tigers are 14 point favorites versus the miami hurricanes
2: now it's time to bring in our guest ryan Aber joins us the sooners beat writer for the oklahoman ryan welcome to the show yeah
0: thanks for having me on
2: yeah we're happy to have you too so let's get to it so two straight losses against kansas state and iowa state what's gone wrong for the Sooners?
0: Well, there's a lot that's going on for this team. First of all, you got to start with defense and their inability to, one, force turnovers, and, and two, to, to stop big plays. Uh, tackling hadn't really been a problem for that defense until uh, last week against Iowa State when that all of a sudden was yet another issue that popped up for Alex Grinch's squad. And they've got to fix that, I think, before you start talking about anything else. Uh, Outside of that, they haven't finished games well at all. You know, if they play a decent fourth quarter uh, against either Kansas State or Iowa State, you know they're sitting here three and zero going into Texas week, and they feel really good about themselves. But they haven't. They've been really uh, borderline pathetic in the fourth quarter on both sides of the ball, and uh, face a a two-game losing streak here for the first time since 1999, 0-2 in the Big 12 for the first time since 1998 the year before Bob soups arrived. And then on the offensive side, uh, w- one, for the first time in the Lincoln-Riley era, uh, they have a quarterback who isn't uh, – it has to go through growing pains uh, as the starting quarterback at OU. You know, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and then uh, Jalen Hurts, they all had to go through their growing pains at different places. So by the time that they got to OU, you know, not that especially Baker Mayfield was – the the finished product but he at least had experience and knew how to handle certain situations and had started polishing himself up uh, before then that's not the case with Spencer Rattler Spencer Rattler has been fantastic I mean heck thrown for uh, almost a thousand yards through three games what is it 10 touchdowns I think four interceptions some questionable decision making on a couple of those passes but you can certainly see how high the ceiling is for him and then the, their offensive line play in the running game. Their offensive line has not performed well at all. That was thought to be the strength of this team. I know they had a lot of guys who were out for long chunks of time because of the coronavirus testing, coronavirus precautions, contact tracing, things like that. And that slowed down their continuity. But, heck, you know, those guys have been together here for uh, really at least three weeks potentially minus the left tackle Anton Harrison has sort of been rotating over these last couple weeks but uh, they still struggled there and then uh, the run game I mean they had Kennedy Brooks opts out Trey Sermon transfers to uh, Ohio State and all of a sudden all of their experienced running backs are gone and they haven't been able to effectively move the ball although I think a lot of that stems from their offensive line problems because as we saw last week against Iowa State Jeff McGowan and TJ Pleasure, the running backs that they do have there, uh, are able to make things happen in space. They just haven't found much space.
1: I don't think I've seen the Sooners have a collapse like they had against Kansas State in the second half and then they once again had a lead against Iowa State in the second half and they let that one slip away as well. What's going on? Why isn't this group able to, to finish out games? Well,
0: I, one, all the the defensive issues that they've had. When uh, you, you can't get a stop really until it was too late in, in both of those games, then uh, you're going to have, uh, have some issues. And the other side uh, on the offense is a lot of the stuff that uh, we just talked about. The inability to run the ball, I think, has really hurt them late in games because there's no way for them to shorten games and, and kill clock because of of how ineffective their running game has been and uh, yes Spencer Rattler has been really good but in those pressure situations he's made a, a couple of uh, critical interceptions now they still would have had a big mountain to climb had uh, had neither of those interceptions happened because of uh, time of game left and field position things like that but you would have at least had a chance and uh, they're just really not giving themselves a chance in the fourth quarter over these last couple games
1: i want to get your thoughts on the, the wide receiver position um, obviously there's no marquise brown or cd lamb uh, on this year's team uh, who do you think is eventually going to step up and become that go-to guy in the passing game
0: well, I thought before the season started that it would be Charleston Rambo, that he would sort of slide into that role that those guys have, have filled over these last couple of years. I'm not sure that he's quite that receiver though. I mean, uh, we've seen explosiveness out of him in the past, but this year, especially he's dropped a couple of touchdown passes that Rattler put right in his arms. Doesn't seem to have taken that, that next step forward. Now, uh, you know, last year C.D. Lamb got off to a really slow start. Charleston Rambo was off to a hot start, and then all of a sudden Lamb takes off, and uh, he winds up as a high first-round draft pick. The guy that really intrigued me on this roster though is Marvin Mims. I mean, this guy set uh, just about every record you can think of for high school receiving in the state of Texas. And when you're setting Texas high school records in this day and age, you're you're doing something that's really incredible. So. Uh, he he's shown some explosiveness, some ability to make plays and catches in traffic, things like that that remind me a lot of what C.D. Lamb uh, was and became. Now, he's clearly not the receiver that, that C.D. Lamb uh, is at this point, especially when you talk about the overall package. But I think he's got a chance as just a freshman now to be pretty special. And then uh, another guy who doesn't really fit the mold of a true wide receiver He's uh, more of a tight end H-back type of guy for them is Austin Stogner. And and Spencer Rattler has clearly developed some good chemistry with him, hit him a lot. He can be sort of that safety valve of the offense when they can't go deep to Rambo or or Mims or or Theo Howard and those other guys. They've got a a good, solid group. It'll be interesting to me to see how things change once uh, Trajan Bridges is eligible again. He's been suspended. Over these first three games, will be suspended for uh, likely at least two more. But uh, he's one of those three five stars that they got a couple years ago, and I think he's got a chance to play a pretty significant role here over the last half of the season.
2: Texas is also having their struggles. How do you think the Red River Showdown will go? Well, it certainly
0: looks like it'll be a high-scoring affair. I mean, when you talk about one these two offenses, you know, we've talked about OU's quite a bit. Texas, on the other hand, they've been even more powerful uh, to this point. Heck, they've looked like the OU offense over the last couple of years, and not exactly surprising with Sam Ellinger uh, under center, and and Ellinger's been fantastic. Heck, he's been fantastic against OU, already made four starts against them, and has a chance to make it six if he comes back next year. Not so sure that's going to happen, but I I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Because as good as these two offenses are, you look on the other side and their defenses are uh, as poor. I mean, these are two of the worst tackling teams so far statistically in college football. And uh, you know, Texas needed everything that they had to uh, uh, complete a late comeback against Texas Tech, a Texas Tech team that struggled to put a, put away Houston Baptist in the opener. So uh, both these defenses really struggling. The winner, though, in this one, will at least be able to build some momentum and feel like they've got something pretty significant to play for. Because you still certainly got a chance to make a Big 12 title game if uh, if either of these teams can win out. But if you don't, it becomes uh, really difficult. And both these teams expected to be at that level this year.
1: Ryan, what do you think is the key to this game for the Oklahoma Sooners?
0: Well, I, I think it's playing better defensively, but specifically, I think they need to uh, be able to get after Sam Ellinger and and get to him. You know, last week they got some pressure on Brock Purdy uh, from the front seven, but they didn't bring him down until the fourth quarter, and, and even then just wound up with the one sack. They had another one that was uh, called back by a, a pretty bad penalty, which OU's got to clean up those penalties as well. I think get after Sam Ellinger, make him uncomfortable, and also uh, uh, get turnovers. OU has been uh, focused so much on turnovers, especially since Alex Grinch got here, but those haven't materialized at all. They've only uh, forced one defensively this year, and and that's not going to help you win games, especially when you face teams as talented as Texas.
1: Well, the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, according to Bovada, are two-and-a-half-point favorites uh, versus the the Texas Longhorns uh, this weekend. Ronnie Perkins is back. He won his appeal, the defensive lineman. Will we see him on the field against Texas? Oh,
0: I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, this is their best pass rusher. He was their best pass rusher a year ago, even though he was second in sacks on the team. They need Ronnie Perkins in this game. And like I said, their pass rush last week uh, wasn't bad. And, And especially Isaiah Thomas, the guy that stepped into the starting lineup Isaiah Thomas is a nice player Ronnie Perkins has the potential to be a pretty special player and uh, they certainly need him there's no doubt that he's going to be playing I mean uh, if they could have got some procedural things done with him uh, last week before that game he would have been out there uh, as there was some a couple of things that they needed to clear up but Lincoln Riley not ready to say officially that uh, Ronnie Perkins is back but Uh, all indications are and and from the people that i've talked to the uh, reporting that i've done is that ronnie perkins is going to be back on the field and and that's going to be a big lift for the Sooners.
2: do you think overall oklahoma can win the big 12 this year we've seen this offense be able to do
0: some special things this offensive line that struggled to this point these same guys were part of that offensive line last year that that had uh you know, one of the top two uh, best offenses in college football. So, in their defense, as many issues as they've had, isn't any worse uh, or shouldn't be any worse uh, than they've been in, in the, the last couple of years, which has been good enough to get them in the playoff. I think in this year, it's so hard to read how teams are going to react to things, the focus that's going to be there, uh, the, the way that you can integrate in uh, some younger players at times. So we'll see if they do it, but yeah, certainly this team has the talent to. But at this point, they have to win out to have any hope of, of getting there. They're certainly the talent to, but it's going to be difficult with with Texas this week, with Oklahoma State uh, there at the end of the season, and and some of their other games. Uh, there, there's not a lot of teams outside of Kansas that you can really just roll right over. It's going to take some quick fixes, uh, but uh, they're there to happen but we'll see if they're able to execute those
2: a bigger question do you think Lincoln Riley will ever leave for the NFL or do you think this is kind of his dream job and he wants to stay in Oklahoma for the rest of his career you know
0: I could see him leaving I I think uh, he would like to win a championship before he leaves you know so many coaches well one so many coaches say "Ah, I'm not gonna I'm not thinking about the NFL things like that you know Lincoln Riley has been a little bit different he's said that hey that's it's interesting but he also talks about how much he loves the college game and recruiting and things like that i think lincoln riley is as competitive in recruiting as he is on saturdays in the fall and and that's something that a lot of coaches say they like to recruit say they enjoy that process but really think it's miserable lincoln riley's not like that he really likes the recruiting process i I think that he likes the challenge of things and being able to get those victories so I don't think he's a guy who's going to jump right to the NFL, but if he's able to, to win a championship at OU and then you start thinking about, okay, well, what else can you do? Well, that's, uh, that's have success at the next level. And I think if the right job came calling at the right time, then he would at least be open to, uh, to making that leap.
2: Well, thanks for your time. Uh, can you tell our listeners where they can find your stuff? Yeah, you can uh, check out my work at oklahoman.com,
0: and you can also follow me on Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me on.
1: Let's get to one final topic on the agenda before we move on and and get out of here. Ed kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Trey Lance, he had one game against Central Arkansas this past weekend. It wasn't his best performance. It looked like he was pressing early in the game. He he threw his first pick of his illustrious but short career. North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance will prepare for the 2021 NFL draft. He enters it as a redshirt sophomore. He will not come back to North Dakota State in the spring to play the season. Is this the right move for him or... You wish he would have come back for another year. I think this is the
2: right move for Trey Lance. I mean, he's, he's proven it. He has put enough on tape... You know, to prove himself to be a first-round pick. I think a lot of a lot of it is, you know, how how are teams going to like him? You know, how is he going to interview? I think that's really the big thing. And you know, get ready for the interviews. Get ready for the combine. Show that you've got the speed. You know, show that you've got the interview skills and the professionalism, and that you can handle an NFL team, play a pro football team, because they want to see if this guy can be a quarterback of an NFL team. That's the big question.
1: Well, he has certainly proven that he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's got the arm strength. He certainly took care of the ball last year and didn't turn it over, even though he played in a running offense. But still, um, the guy was accurate in his first year. And the fact that Carson Wentz has had some success in the NFL, that will bode well for Trey Lance moving forward. He looks like he's going to be the third quarterback, though. And I mean, Trevor Lawrence is is playing really well. In the beginning of this season, looks like a a man on a mission to, to get that number one overall pick. The Big Ten is coming back at the end of October. And I'm sure Justin Fields will once again put some good film out there. Trey Lance had only one game in only one season last year. So I would assume Lance is, is going to be trailing those two guys. I just I don't see him overtaking even Justin Fields.
2: I, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, Justin Fields is maybe not getting the respect uh, from the media that he deserves. I mean, he's been a real winner uh, in college football. I mean, he's, he's I think Justin Fields might be a better college quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, I think, his better potential for the NFL. He fits the NFL game better. But I mean, Justin Fields has been a great college quarterback.
1: And he has another year uh, at the Big Ten level. Um, Obviously, he's going to be able to play those big games against Michigan and Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bloodscast. Take care, folks.